Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker here with a very exciting announcement. Your favorite wrestling podcast feed, The Ringer Wrestling Show, is now going daily. And you can hang out with me and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays for The Masked Man Show. And you can join me, Peter Rosenberg, alongside stack guy Greg and Dip every Tuesday with Cheap Heat. And on Fridays, I'll welcome a friend or special guest from the world of wrestling. And on Wednesdays, we have a very special new show called Wednesday Worldwide that you're going to want to check out. Pay-per-view reaction, one-of-a-kind interviews, fantasy booking, talking about bagels. That's what we do here on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Follow the show now on Spotify and do us a favor. Give us five stars. And do us another favor and uh, stay mage. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Football show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly. Craig Horlbeck is still out, but we have our producer Jesse Lopez here, who is a 49ers fan. We're doing Ooh. our divisional round weekend awards, and there is only one place to start. <laughs> this just happened minutes ago. The Dallas Cowboys did the same thing as last year. A year ago, they ran out the clock. Yeah. Spiritually, it was the same thing. No, it was the same thing. They A year ago, they were down a touchdown to the Niners, and they got the ball back with three minutes. They couldn't do anything. They punted. They got the ball back, and they just embarrassed themselves. Last year, it was they ran out the clock. Dak could 19 seconds. Sneak could do I, I, So what just happened? So Dalton Schultz was so nonchalantly catching <laughs> oh, it. Oh, my didn't God. Didn't even bother to put a foot in. And then the, what was that last play? It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. They They – do the Zeke at center. They can't even, they take a timeout and then it doesn't, I, I, I don't even know what to say. A lot to unpack here. First of all, let's get Jesse's reaction. Then we're going to go into each and every one of those things that you just said, Heifetz. Jesse, how you feeling? Oh, I am excited. That's <laughs> that game was a lot more closer than I thought it was going to be. It yeah. was a lot more, uh, and it was a good game if you're just looking at that angle, but oh boy, did that ending just put the icing on the cake, especially with the exact, because how it ended too, was that tackle by Dude. Jimmy Ward. Like, it was perfect. It was a cherry yeah. on top. It was great. It was phenomenal. What was that play? First of all, I'm sure there was some theoretical thing of like, well, if Zeke is at center, then the balance is, the formation's balanced, blah, 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 one, declaring you're running back ineligible. So were they going to do like a hook and ladder? The fact that the Niners took a timeout and they were like, Dude, just like knock Zeke on his ass. That was bizarre because, and I think it was the idea was to like get these linemen downfield and like blocking and stuff. But my God, 
it just didn't go well. It was it was like spiritually the exact same as like you said last year where they just ran out the clock. But then also that Indianapolis play from years ago where they just like <laughs> one guy. <laughs> I don't forget what they call it, but um, my God, that was crazy. Jesse's wearing the Kittle hat. That Kittle catch is going to go was down. Insane, insane. <laughs> that was a great catch. And then the Trevon Diggs drop too, because Diggs dropped that Oof. pick that was right in his gut, and that would have changed the whole game too. I mean, in his defense, it was tipped, and so I think it was a little bit, and he he wasn't really expecting it, so it wasn't like, I wouldn't say it was like a pure, pure drop, but it was it was bad. It was a bad It's not a pure drop, but he's going to be thinking about it every night for the next for sure. year. Yes. But like this game, uh, you know what, forget the, I, I can't get over that last thing. So they, when I started laughing when Greg Olson was like, Mike McCarthy clearly spent a lot of time working up this thing. I'm like, oh my God, the fact that Mike McCarthy had actually thought this much about how to run <laughs> this lateral play What's worse if you come up with the Zeke thing like kind of haphazardly and you're just like, let's try it and it's a failure or like spending actual time to try and make <laughs> that play work and then you do it and they just immediately get tackled and you don't even get to do a lateral at all. <laughs> there was a lot of things about the, the way that the Cowboys ended this game that just like drive me nuts. First of all, I mean, I don't even know where to start. The, the first place is them punting when they had that that drive go right just before the two-minute warning, and then they took a really long time to punt the ball, wasted, like, a bunch of time there, and then it was just, like, one thing after another. They get the ball back, which is great. The Dalton Schultz thing, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I am livid <laughs> at that. He's just, like, nonchalant. He's out for a walk on the promenade. He's just, like, chilling. He goes, he catches a ball. He gets knocked out of bounds backwards because he just didn't really finish the play, just stopped running, and therefore the clock kept running that cost them like probably 20 seconds of crucial crucial time and then the next oh, i don't know how many plays it was later he he catches a ball just has one foot in bounds and like leaps out of bounds essentially <laughs> after only having one foot down oh my god i would just be livid if i was a if i was a cowboys fan right now if i'm dak prescott i would literally cut dalton schultz a check for one million dollars <laughs> because the fact yeah, that cowboys we're fans, gonna talk about it they're yeah. gonna spend more than 10 seconds being mad at Dalton Schultz, which, yes, he had a brain fart. Guess what? The Cowboys were going to lose this game, whether he catches that ball or not. It's just I mean, the yeah. yard line it was yeah. going to fail at. It's like, like they were going to lose the game. Dak Prescott is the loser of this game. He's the loser, you could argue to me, of the playoffs. Dak, I, I, I have defended Dak throughout the season. Kirk, Craig has taken the Bill Simmons route of like, Dak is just <laughs> Kirk Cousins with right. better PR. I have defended him. Steven Reese has defended him. This was an indefensible game for Dak Prescott. He did every cardinal sin. He stared receivers down and threw picks. He just did, uh, he blindly decided where he was going to throw the ball before the snap picks. I, I like Also, he should have thrown a pick six on that first play of that drive. And the yeah. Trey Greenlaw just dropped it because it was too easy. He should have taken a sack uh, in the final three minutes. He almost took a sack, a safety on that drive. Safety. And then Eric Armstead, the Niners defensive lineman, Jesse Harris, I didn't get that. Is, yeah. Eric Armstead seems so shocked that Dak huge. still had the ball. Eric Armstead is a, he's a defensive tackle. He is humongous. It's like six I seven. I don't know how he didn't just wrap wrap him, bear hug him, give him a it hug. It obviously yeah. wasn't a physical problem because he's huge. I genuinely think watching that, my first thought was Eric Armstead was so focused on not committing roughing the the passer oh, against Dak. Maybe, then yeah. he looked down and saw Dak had the ball and he had no idea what to do. He was like, why do you still have this? Like, Dak, it is brain broke. Like, he was just pushed him out of bounds. Not hitting him. 
Yeah, he turned it <laughs> off. He couldn't turn it back on. And Dak was like, whoa, I got out of that one. Like, it's like you go, he ran through an intersection. Dak was like, wow, can't believe I didn't get T-boned. I, I, I can't, like, the, but he followed that. He took the sack on third. Like, Dak, the first half alone, the two picks he threw were abysmal in the first half. Like, sto- like the Michael, he threw one toward Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup didn't even finish the route. That was a pick. And then he also had that crazy brain fart where he stared it down. But then to end it, the way this ending, I don't know, DK. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm just curious. Like, Dak in this game, I actually feel like this will now follow Dak the rest of his career that he just brain farts in the playoffs. And I actually think it's deserved now. It's not a hot take anymore. If anything, I gave him too much credit. Like, this was one of the worst performances of his career, and he had one again in week 18. I know. I'm with you because I, I came into this game, and I have throughout the year kind of been in Dak's corner. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he's, you know, cerebral and does a lot of things, the small things that people don't really appreciate. But this game was just really tough. It, it was really bad. Like you said, that that one pick, I think it was the second pick where um, he just stared the guy down going across the field. The other guy peeled off of his route and just stepped in front of it. Like that was really tough. He almost had that pick six to at the very end of the game. He just didn't look comfortable. And, and, I, and granted, the 49ers front line will make guys feel uncomfortable, I think. And, and that's a big part of it. But um, yeah. That's not the, a kid. He's like in his 30s. The offseason's not going to be kind to the 40, this 49ers team. By the way, which has like a million free agents. This is Sorry, like he's a, 29. He, this is an inflection point for the 49ers going into this into this offseason. So um, really tough loss for them. And congrats to the 49ers who, despite all the like the fuck-ups from the Cowboys, barely won. <laughs> was like, I think it was just like they were playing so conservatively. Just like, I, basically, they just took this this strategy where we have a lead and we're just going to play really conservative and like try and hold on to this lead because we trust our defense. Yeah, Jesse, how do you feel? Now you have to play the Philadelphia Eagles. How do you feel right now, your mix of joy of winning versus how you feel in your neck going forward? I'm joyful now because, you know, I live in the moment. I enjoy this now. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm actually really excited to uh, see next week's game because, you know, that Philly offense has been talked about nonstop. It's like the perfect you know, number one defense, number one yes. offense. I'm really excited just to see how this is going to turn out. Um, I mean, what DK said was right. They just went into what they normally do, which is to get a lead and protect it. I mean, the defense won the game, to, to be 100% honest, yeah. because you don't win that game with the defense playing the way they did. Like, the Cowboys will eventually have gotten one or two of their earlier drives off. Like, the, the defense just stepped up and said, we'll handle it, Brock. Don't worry. You can play as terrible as you were, as like, basic <laughs> as you were. And we got this. But also, I think, too, the, the, I noticed that, and I don't look at the box score, so I don't know how true this is or not, but just watching it, I noticed that the, you know, the players didn't get a lot of, like, yak yards. Like, mm-hmm. I noticed that they got wrapped up really quickly. And that's, you know, that's a big part of the 49ers offense is getting those yak yards. Yeah. And that was kind of, that was hurting them at the beginning, is that they couldn't kind of pull away and just, you know, I think that Kittle catch just had all the magic enough for them to just push him over. Just, 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 just like he tipped him it off of his own of his face helmet. mask. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, these defenses oh, played man. incredible. Like, if you're the Cowboys yes. defense, how mad are you that you, like, I mean, first of all, never mind the fact that Dak threw two picks and that the Niners still went into halftime with, what, six, uh, three point lead. nine points. Nine, six. Yeah. And, but, like, the, Dow- the Dallas defense was incredible. That will be forgotten. But they were unreal. The 49ers defense in this game, I mean, Fred Warner, I, 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 you know, he's all pro. He's, I think he went up a level in terms of fame. I think just that everywhere. Like, yeah. He went from a film nerd guy to like, you know, like the, the dark horse guy. I feel like now he just, after this game will be household name accepted as the best linebacker in football, which he's been for years. Aaron Rodgers said that to him like, like three years ago, I think, but 
I think that play where Fred Warner was faking blitzing up the center and then just ran back and just covered CeeDee Lamb in the slot, even though Dak should have thrown it to T.Y. Hilton, whatever, the fact that he covered (laughs) CeeDee Lamb like that was pretty nuts. That was like, I feel like one of the best plays of his career. That was crazy. He's just a linebacker covering the best receiver on the other team. He was like another guy that that they drafted early. I think it was like a third or fourth round pick that they just scouted and developed him. And it goes to show that they, the 49ers know players they want and they draft really well, which is how they've been able to maintain, you know, this success that they have. Yeah, yeah. They've extended their, like, Super Bowl window because of that, Mm -hmm. because of their ability to, like, find those guys. I mean, Brock Purdy, too, like, seventh rounder. Well, to the flip side, what's the Brock Purdy check-in, DK? Like, how did you feel Brock Purdy played? Look, Dallas was obviously, like, the best defense he played in this stretch he has. He's still undefeated. This was a defensive slugfest. He didn't play great. I mean, he wasn't bad. He could have gotten picked a couple times, but so, I mean, Dak got picked a couple times. This was definitely just a defensive slugfest. I would not put this win on Brock Purdy. Um, Dak made the throws. I was worried Purdy was going to make in this game. Yeah. Um, I did did see that the throw, the big throw to Kittle was not, he said that that was not like a progression thing. It was like an out-of-structure, improvisational throw. Like, it wasn't accurate necessarily, but like, that was a huge, huge play in this game. And that's kind of the type of thing that Purdy has given them that you know, out of structure, just a little bit of, you know, magic, I guess, that he's given them over the last few years that or, or last few weeks that, um, you know, Jimmy G doesn't necessarily give them. So uh, credit to him. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't think he had a great game, but he did enough to, to get the win. Jesse, what's your temperature check on Purdy? I mean, everything DK said is right. Like, I was worried <laughs> that this was going to be the game where he was going to kind of get a little bit exposed or he was going to make those mistakes. But I mean, he didn't make mistakes. There were a couple of times where he probably might have gotten intercepted or picked off or something, but he didn't. And yeah. that kind of says it all because Jimmy G, if anything, one of those plays would have gone the other way. Without a doubt. Like, <laughs> Just because he's yeah. Jimmy G. Because he's Jimmy G, you know? Like, and it's <laughs> like, if anything, this has shown that like Jimmy G is who he is, not just a system of Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's like throwing throwing anyone in there and they have some kind of low, level of success as long as like the quarterback knows what to do. And I think another thing that uh, I think it was Greg Olson pointed out in the broadcast is the fact that Brock Purdy was like a four-year quarterback mm. where he's like, he has that experience where a lot of these top picks, they're like, you know, maybe the third, fourth year, third year at the most if they're redshirted their freshman year. Like they come out of their sophomore years and, you know, who knows how many actual like big game level experience they have where Brock right. Purdy just, he's had it before, like not as big of a stage, but he's had that opportunity to play in like big level games before, even at a smaller stage. It's ironic, like contrast to Trey Lance because Trey Lance, that was like the big talking point for him coming into the league was, I mean, he's, he'd only thrown like 300 something passes or something, you know, and it's like college career. Um, and so just that lack of experience, of course, he played in SES and so he's like lower, um, and, you know, lower level of competition too. So like there's all these variables working against him. And so um, that's a great point with the Brock Purdy. Basically, he's just like getting those live reps, man. That's It's like you can't replace that really. And that's why, you know, we were talking about this on the draft show the other day. Like some of these guys that go back for their fifth or sixth year and they come out into the NFL and they're like 24 years old. I don't necessarily think it's always bad for those guys. And, and so uh, maybe we see more of that going forward. But yeah, Brock Purdy, I mean, he, he played fine. He, he did a good job. I also want to have another one last winner for this game is Brett Maher. Because if you had told oh me at halftime that we would have gone this far into this conversation without blaming Brett Maher for anything that's incredible, I think Dak Dalton Schultz took the heat off the guy. What Big win for <laughs> Brett Maher today. Dude, 
That was, I was starting to really feel bad. Like he was about to shank the hell out of, or hook it or whatever it was. He was, he's like, he pulled it way to the left. It got blocked. <laughs> So this is the like, first time a kicker's ever been like, thank God they blocked that kick. <laughs> oh my God, dude. He was sweating bullets out there. Like he, you could see, I could like, it was tangible, just the stress in his eyes when they would like zoom in on him when he's getting ready for the kicks. Like I was like, oh my God, I, I can't even watch. This, this is like watching a train wreck. Dude, you know, every time I bring up my girlfriend, you guys are like, flex, flex. I felt that when the Niners brought out Robbie Gold for like a 40-yard field goal. It was like, oh man, what a flex, flex with this field goal attempt. Dude, it's they were incredible. talking during the pregame. All these reporters were watching the pregame warm-ups and Brett Maher was like shanking the hell out of kicks. He was like really shaky. They had, uh, what's his face? He came down on the field, their owner. I'm blanking on his name for some reason. He's like the most Harry famous person. Jerry Jones. Yeah, J- Jerry Jones. He came down and gave him a freaking pep top before the game. <laughs> Like, that's normal. What are we doing here? Can you imagine if, like, <laughs> Daniel Eck, who runs Spotify, came and gave us a, prep, a pep talk before a podcast because like, we were doing terribly? If you don't make this kick, I'm going to murder you. Like, Jesus. What did he even say? <laughs> what did he possibly say? It's like, it makes you feel better. It's oh, like, my God. Hi. It's like, I run this $7 billion company you work for. Let me tell you. Don't worry about it. Sure, it was super inspirational. Immediately just, <laughs> like, missed. But, yeah. He got two later. Got off it. Oh, my God. Jerry said he was exonerated after the game. Which, I mean, my God, he's talking like he's Dalton Schultz is just going to be the whipping boy for I know, Dalton Schultz drops a meaningless pass, and all this is going to be forgotten. Dude, so he's going to be a free agent, right? Like, he's going into this offseason. He's a free agent. Do you you guys remember that uh, Packers tight end that went off script against the Seahawks in in the NFC Championship game and tried to catch an onside kick and missed it? And then that was, like, the last we'd ever heard of him? I'm not saying Dalton Schultz is on this level, but like, is he just going to get completely shunned from NFL society after this because of this play? Honestly, no, because Jerry's different than every team. Jerry does. I mean, Jerry's <laughs> going to. Jerry already said McCarthy's safe. I think Jerry's already defended Brett Maher. He already like, said I, this. Oh my god. Oh yeah, that's how it works. Is Mike McCarthy takes all the blame, and then Jerry's like, you, you take all the blame, and then I'll defend you. He's like Roger Goodell for the Cowboys. Yeah, actually, yeah. McCarthy's the, the, the Cowboys Goodell. He gets all the blame, and that's how he keeps his job. Yeah, that's exactly it, actually. That's wow. why Jerry Jones is smart. He's got two Goodells. He's got Goodell, and he's got Michael Carter. <laughs> Jason Garrett. That's the thing. It's like, anyway. Wow. All right. What a game. 49ers win. Cowboys deja vu. Times flat circle. Jesse, thank you for joining us. Congratulations. Of course. Thank you. Woohoo. Uh, Go Niners. <laughs> let's just go through these games backward. Let's do the yeah. other game that happened today. Bengals-Bills. Obviously, the first winner is Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Oh, my God. Craig wanted to, Craig was texting us today and wanted to make sure that I um, made it clear that I was uh, an absolute Bengals hater in August. <laughs> Not really. I just thought that, you know, they wouldn't make this immaculate run to the Super Bowl again where they gave up 19 sacks and, you know, mm-hmm. made it a yeah. Super Bowl run. And I was like, maybe they wouldn't be the healthiest team in the NFL again. Maybe that wouldn't happen. Guess what? They aren't the healthiest team in the NFL. They lost three offensive linemen in this game. Didn't and guess matter. What? Didn't matter. They were way better. Joe Burrow, Tony Romo's. Bending over backward to say Joe Burrow's Peyton Manning during this game, calling plays. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Bengals are, ran over the Bills in the running game and got whatever they wanted passing the ball. This was crazy. Deke, I don't know what you, I'm curious what you thought. The Bengals had 30 first downs on almost 70 plays in this game. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible performance, honestly. And get this out of the way because I'm not taking anything away from the Bengals, but the Bills defense looked terrible. I mean, especially in the first half. 
They were, they had, it felt like they were not wearing cleats and, and everyone on the Bengals was wearing <laughs> cleats. They were just slower. That's actually a good way to put it. They, they were like, the Bengals were wide open on every play. It was insane. Now, credit goes to Burrow because he did really well, um, especially considering there's, he, they had lost like three starters on the offensive line. I saw this stat from Sam Hoppin. His average time to throw was 2.5 seconds, which is half a second faster than his, his season average or whatever. So like he was like getting rid of the ball so quickly in this game. That was a huge variable, huge factor in this. And that was something that we talked about with him going back to when he came into the league. He's just like a really good processor. Like, spread him out. I want to find the open guy. I'm going to get rid of the football. And I just know where to go at any given time. So he looked awesome. Um, he had but three touchdowns. But it wasn't touchdowns. just Probably that. It was the Bengals. I think the Bengals did actually keep some wrinkles in their playbook to themselves in the last month because they played the Ravens twice. And I think that they actually maybe got a little too cute. Just like surprised the Ravens last week. So they have, the Bengals kept doing this one thing where they would motion Jamar Chase. And I think it's called a satellite or orbit or something. But the point is, Jamar Chase would just line up wide and he'd just run behind Mixon and Burrow when he was mm. a shotgun. And then they'd hand the ball to Mixon and he'd run the other way. Like he'd run in the opposite direction from Jamar Chase. And I feel like Mixon running left and Jamar Chase running right literally like tore the Bills defense asunder <laughs> every time. It was right. incredible. Like the Bengals running out of shotgun on first and 10, four first downs, like five times is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they With just the didn't three have backup an linemen, And their center got hurt during the game and they're just ripping off nine yard runs every time. It's crazy, man. Joe Burrow, I mean, he like, it didn't even look like he was trying. I, th- I think that's like part of the thing about Burrow that makes him so cool and, and makes him like people gravitate to him. It's just like he's so smooth. It doesn't really look like he's trying all that hard. He just kind of like picks a defense apart and, and then just goes about his day. Well, we were texting about what would be the coolest Super Bowl matchup. And it, I, I think I, at least I, I don't know if we all did, but we landed on Bengals Eagles, at least quarterback wise, because Burrow and Hertz share that common trait of greatness in that mm. there is like, a Rafael Nadal kind of greatness where you're elite, you're at the best of the best of the best, and it looks like you're trying really fucking hard. And then there's the Roger Federer school of greatness where you maybe are the best person to ever do this, but it looks like you're warming up. Like, you don't look actually like you're sweating or ever have. <laughs> the Federer, that's a great comp. That's a really good comp. He's just like, yeah, I'll just return it to you. It's no big deal. Like, I'm just going to hit, like, the most amazing... Like, I'm going to hit, like, a backhand <laughs> that David Foster Wallace will write a New York Times column about. Seriously. But, like, I don't even, like, look like I'm trying. Jalen Hurts doesn't look like he's trying. And Joe Burrow, honestly, also doesn't ever. And it would be cool if they were both playing. But in this game, the, the Bengals were incredible. Nate Tice, your buddy, always points out that Jamar Chase, like, never gets tackled by the first person. That's true. Oh, yeah. That was true in this game. The Bengals didn't do anything wrong. And their defense was incredible, too. Like, they shut down the Bills. Yeah. My other, so like that was the winner is Joe Burrow in this game. Obviously, the Bills, or sorry, the Bengals, but like the Bills to me, it was a very strong contrast because the Bengals are like they have incredible talent in the skill positions. They've got Jamar Chase, they've got T. Higgins, they've got Tyler Boyd, who's like a, a really, really good skill, uh, like a veteran, just role player. Even Hayden Hurst has been like really good over the last few weeks and he kind of came, came up big in this game, made a couple of big plays. Their talent, is such a contrast, their depth of talent is such a contrast to the Bills. And so I'm giving the loser award this for this game to Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills. The Bills just clearly need more talent. They have Stefan Diggs and then sort of just a bunch of guys on offense. You know what I mean? Like they don't have different You know what I think speakers. sums up the Bills in a, in a sentence is that the Bills like needed Cole Beasley in this game, who was so, a free yeah, agent midway through like the year. While the like Giants' it. best receiver in the playoffs was Isaiah Hodgins. Who, like, was yes. on the Bills practice squad? It's like, the, the Bills really could have used this Hodgins this month. 
The thing that makes me most mad, and maybe, like, I don't see what's happening at practice, so I don't know what the hell's going on, but every time Khalil Shakur, like, gets a target, it looks like he makes a big play, and I don't understand why he wasn't playing more. Like, the Hodgins thing, I think, is a great point. They just let him go, and then they've got, you know, like, Gabriel Davis, we were on him in a fantasy world, like, this year. He was disappointing, and he had a big drop in this game that could have been a huge play for them. Like, he just hasn't really showed up this year like we thought he would. Um, And honestly, I just think that's part of the reason. I mean, obviously, Josh Allen is who he is, but part of the reason he has to go play hero ball, and I feel like he's doing too much constantly, is because he doesn't have enough help around him. That's why Joe Burrow, on the other side, is just, like, playing pitch and catch with these uh, all-pro, like, receivers and on the other side, you have Josh Allen trying to, like, put the team on his back and, like, carry this. It's just, the, you know, their run game hasn't been that good. You know, Devin Singletary and, and James Cook are, like, they're fine. They're not, like, difference makers, I'd say, at least not yet for James Cook. Um, and, you know, Dawson Knox, he's okay. But, like, their, their talent is just not, they're not difference makers. And I think that matters in a game like this. I think that that's a really good way to put it because Diggs and Chase, I mean, Chase is probably better than Diggs, but they're both, like, A1 alpha receivers. But then after that, you've got T. Higgins and the Bengals, who probably would be like a lower-end number one receiver on a lot of other teams. And then Tyler Boyd, who's an excellent slot. And then you've got Hayden Hurst slotting in as like their fourth option. And Trent Irwin, fifth, actually having a solid game. <laughs> then the Bills, it's Diggs. And, then and it's Mixon. Like, we didn't even mention Mixon. Yeah, I know yeah. Mixon. But, that's like, but then the Bills, it's like Gabe Dave's second, but like he can't catch very well. That's your number two receiver. Then like their Tyler Boyd is Beasley, who was a free agent and retired, basically. Like right. this team isn't, and but you mix that with they don't have a great offensive line. Josh Allen's still their best running back. It's like, you know, Devin Singletary and James Cook are inspiring. They still couldn't run the ball. Like the fact that the Bengals, not the Bills, became the team to be able to run out of shotgun. Like that's just kind of indefensible. And then their defensive line, they signed Von Miller. He's hurt. They couldn't pass rush Burrow at all. While Josh Allen, it was like he was like Han Solo going through the, the, the asteroid field. Like you just, like there were so <laughs> many Bengals just yeah. flying at him. Uh, it, it just, it, I think you're totally right. Um, just, it, for the Bills, and also not to get all sappy, the Demar Hamlin, I, the moment of this game, honestly, that to me felt like, okay, mm. like, God, again, is that you? Like, what right, are you up to, right. God? Was when the Bengals had the ball third and goal at the five, and then they cut the cameras to Demar Hamlin. He's up in the press box. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the, the suite, and he's making a box, heart. Suite, yeah. yeah. He's making a heart with his heart, with his hands, sorry, over his heart. And to Jesus. say the obvious yeah. out loud, his yeah, heart yeah. stopped during this game three weeks ago, and he's alive up in the suite watching this game. And then he's like moving his arms up and down, like, get loud, get loud, get loud. It looks like he's making a snow angel in the sky because there's so much snow falling. Mm. And then the crowd actually gets the Bengals to fall start and go to <laughs> third and 10. And you're like, yeah. okay, oh my God, this is pretty crazy. Like, yes, this this is a moment. Like maybe their Bills are going to win this game. And the Bengals just go and they get that Jamar Chase touchdown. I know it was overturned. I don't care. It was an amazing catch. That was the point though, is that this is like a storybook for the Bills. Like, oh, like we're playing for DeMar and they go and win. Everything was for the Bills to win. And the Bengals just went out and just dominated them in yeah. every facet of the, of the game in a way that they didn't even dominate the Ravens with Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown like this. This was an ass kicking. It was interesting. Yeah, it's like they jumped out to early lead and then they just didn't look back. It was like, you know, there was, it just they just controlled the game, like you said. It was just they absolutely dominated it. So um, it to me, and this is another sort of cliche, I guess, but they're getting hot at the right time. You know what I mean? Like they are clicking. They're they're firing on all cylinders. And that's so important at this time of year. It's clear to me that the Bengals and the Eagles look like the best teams this weekend. It's not yeah. even remotely close. Yeah, I agree. It's, man, 
To me, that's like the ideal. I, I told you guys, I think that's the ideal Super Bowl matchup, but we'll see what happens next week. But um, just because Mahomes is hurt, which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But I do yeah. want to just say, I know B- B- Bills fans are upset, obviously, because, you know, they were the Super Bowl favorites in the preseason. I will say, as Hamlin being up there, I was like, yeah, this season could have gone better. Season also could have gone worse. I think that the Bills got their big win of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I'm sure it was very emotionally taxing. I mean, I just can't even imagine um, what well, they've I, I guess gone it, through. Matt you know? Milano, the linebacker for the Bills, said that they were flat yeah. in this game. He said he yeah. felt the team's flat. Obviously, it seems nuts, right? DeMar Hamlin's in the locker room before the game. He's in the locker room at halftime. I actually think that sometimes is actually a problem. Like, adrenaline, like, it's a real thing. Adrenaline wears off after 20 minutes. Their nerves were frayed, I, I, I would imagine. Just, you know, uh, it's, it's tough. I, I, just, but, I do definitely feel for them. And I, and I love, the Bills are so easy to root for. Like, Josh Allen's awesome. It's so, you know, Stefan Diggs, love him. I, you know, obviously, this whole Hamlin situation has been making them such a team to root for. But um, they just looked outmatched in this game, well, so... Not yeah. just that, they look boring. The Bills aren't supposed to be boring. Yeah. They, they were just, they were not fun to watch. At the very least, the Bills were supposed to be a fun team to watch. It didn't, it, there was nothing fun about the Bills today. It was just too bad. I mean, credit also, we didn't mention, but Lou Anarumo, you know, did he just did an amazing job too. Like, he is one of those guys that sort of flies under the radar. Um, but this, this, this Bengals defense has been really the good. The Bengals too, so. coaching staff, the Glansbergs of the last two seasons, Zach Taylor gets credit. And <laughs> totally. He, we, we, we even give Lou yeah. Rumo credit for Zach Taylor. They're, they're the Glansbergs. Only four teams are left, but there's still time to get in on the action in a FanDuel fantasy contest. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to join FanDuel because right now, new customers can get a $10 bonus and a free entry. That's right. Just play any contest of $1 or more, and you'll get a $10 bonus plus a free entry. Playing fantasy for huge cash prizes on FanDuel is fun and exciting. Just draft your lineup and watch your team move up the leaderboard. I think my FanDuel lineup would have won, but Dalton Schultz didn't get that catch at the end. So I think that knocked me right out of first place. So you know what? Are you serious? No, I just I just wanted to make fun of the Cowboys again, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Plus, on FanDuel, you can play single-game contests for a chance at big cash prizes all playoffs long, and when you win, you'll get paid instantly. So get in on the action with a $10 bonus and a free entry when you play a contest of $1 or more. FanDuel, make every moment more. All right, Giants-Eagles. Uh, yeah, tell me how you're feeling about this, Heifetz. Well, I think I'm the first loser here. I mean, this is... Tough situation, I, I, tough game. This was, um, you know... I, I actually, what was even the final score of this game? I, I mean, the final score, Giants Eagles. I, I pains me thirty-eight to ten. You know they or thirty-eight. To 7, <laughs> it wasn't so. even that close. Yeah. You know, uh, you know they say that a tsunami doesn't actually look like a wave coming up. It actually mm-hmm. just because the actual tectonic plates are moving, the whole sky just becomes water. That I was didn't know that. <laughs> that is true. That wow. was this game. It wasn't a wave. It was the entire sky just became the ocean and yeah. then it was over like this was my brother came over because him and his wife came over for the first game and we all sat in the same seats and i reinvented the furniture be the same yep. he left at halftime it was like <laughs> i've never had less and my like his wife was like but the the jaguars came back like it's not over and my brother and I just looked at each other and we're like good season no come on so the eagles went up 28 to nothing uh in the first half what do we even say about this game? I guess the one thing is, from the Eagles' point of view, it's good that they looked dominant because they yes. had been playing sort of, I don't know, like I don't know what the right word is. They just hadn't been clicking like they had early in the season the last few weeks. Obviously, Jalen Hurts being hurt has a big part of that. And he's still apparently not 100%. 
but he looked really sharp. Obviously, the, I think the Eagles' talent really, really shined through here. This is just an insanely talented team. Howie Roseman, I think, is a good winner for this one because he has built what is just an absurdly talented and deep roster. And Heifetz, you tweeted this during the game, but it was like uh, one of their offensive linemen, Dickerson, I think he was a second rounder, he got re- he got hurt and was replaced by a first rounder that they had Andre yeah, Dillard who came they just in have to a like backup first round tackle to fill <laughs> in the guard. You know, I'm like, what the fuck? It's not like Dillard is like the, as good as like a first round uh, like offensive lineman should be, but like this is just like kind of how it, this is how it goes. Like you have a first rounder coming in to replace a guy who gets hurt. So um, and then like I don't know, man, they just have so much talent across the board, so much talent on offense. Um, Guy like Kenny Gainwell comes in and like looks awesome, and he's like Boston not Scott. A, Boston has, like, Scott, the eleven giant touchdowns. Killer. Boston Scott has eleven <laughs> touchdowns against the Giants in nine games. I, I, oh, I should have had this up. I think Boston Scott has cracked like the top eight for people with rushing touchdowns against the Giants ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Most rushing touchdowns by any player in their career against the New York Giants. Emmett <laughs> Smith, yeah, Leroy Kelly, Jim Brown. Larry Brown, Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott, and the Boston Scott. I love it. Boston Scott. <laughs> like 10 games. It's amazing. By the way, did you did it feel to you like Nick Sirianni was drunk in this game? I feel like he was maybe like tailgating outside the stadium or was at Patty's Pub or something before the game, pre-funking. He was absolutely on one in this entire game. Like, I think he was totally feeling right. himself. I actually think Sirianni is the big winner of this game. You know how the Eagles fans, like, you know, because this Eagles game was at 8 at Eastern so that the parking lots didn't open till, like, noon, but there was a loophole that there was, like, a lacrosse game at one of the other uh, arenas next door so that all the Eagles fans bought tickets to this lacrosse game and then just started tailgating at 9 in the morning. I think Nick Sirianni was doing that that morning. He what, <laughs> you, you like- saw him on the sideline. When yeah. he was yelling at the, some ref was telling him to get back, and he's like, I know what the fuck I'm doing, and I am Dude, allowed okay. to be here. He First of all, he had his beat. I don't know if this is how he does it every week, so, you know, whatever. whatever. But, like, he had his beanie down, like, literally almost covering his eyes. He was, like, trying to be, like, super hard. He was making faces and, like, dancing in the camera as they were, like, going to commercial. He was talking shit to the refs. He was, like, yelling at him. He goes, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I could be down here if I want. And then after the game, in uh, like the celebration, he was wearing CJ Gardner Johnson's chain in the locker. He was wilding out. He was just like he was having the best time ever. I've I've never seen a coach having like feeling himself more on the sideline than that game. Do you remember when I said last week or two weeks ago that Brian Dable, more than any coach in football history, would look most at home in the upper deck, chugging like a tall boy? <laughs> Yes. I actually think Nick Sirianni, among the many injustices the Eagles committed oh against the Giants, God. I think Nick Sirianni would have looked really at home in the upper deck. hundred percent. A hundred percent. I love that idea. It was like a fan <laughs> had wandered down. I will say Seriously. also, remember Nick Sirianni, like his first year we were making fun of him because he like was playing like rock, paper, scissors with guys at the combine to test their competitiveness. So we're like, what oh an idiot. God. Now it's like they have the act overwhelming best team in the NFC. <laughs> well, do you remember his like introductory press conference? It was like a disaster. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like, you know what, in retrospect, wasn't Belichick's too? From now on, we should keep in mind that the better your press conference, yeah, yeah, the worse you probably are as a coach, the better your press conference. (laughs) Why have you practiced that? Man. Yeah, the Eagles, we're going to talk about them all week, obviously, like, they're incredible, but overall, like, this Giants season, I still think that the Giants are going to extend Daniel Jones. 
I, I, I don't know. I'm not objective, but I didn't watch this game and think Daniel Jones is the problem. I, I watched this game. I was like, wow, okay. We have Jones, Saquon, and two first-round tackles, and otherwise we got our guards and centers and receivers at, like, goodwill. Like, we should fix that. <laughs> yeah, grocery outlet. Um, yeah, no, I, I had the same. I mean, like, obviously, Daniel Jones didn't, he didn't elevate a bad offense in this game, Like, but they were just so incredibly overmatched from the very beginning that it just didn't really seem like it mattered that much. Like, if what, what he was doing, yeah, they just... You guys didn't have any talent at off uh, on the offensive line, or sorry, in, at the receiver position. Like it was a bunch of like practice squad guys, literally like waiver wire guys. Um, I don't know. It it definitely takes a little bit of like the hype from Daniel Jones. You know, good. I, I actually think season. it was. A, I've already convinced myself this was a good thing. The Giants lost. Yeah, because I think it was good to prove that this team was good and can outperform their like you know their coaching can bring them together and got this far. I also think it was good to disillusion themselves, the organization, the fan base, and everyone in America of how, like, magic dust this roster is. This is an yeah. extremely flawed roster. There's a reason this was a throwaway season for the Giants where their over-under win total was, like, six and a half. Like, this was not a good team. It's like they were kind magical. of tanking a little, almost. Yeah, the $60 million <laughs> was either dead money or going to Kenny Galladay so we could not fucking play for this team. They cut James Bradbury to save money who is now like an elite quarterback like for the Eagles. <laughs> and one of the reasons they could win the Super Bowl, they cut him to save $12 million in this yeah. game. Like, that's where the Giants were at, because they're like, well, we're not competitive. Like that. So this was a reset year. You still extend Daniel Jones, because we don't have to get any cap money. In I want to know, know how much he's going to get per year. Like, that's going to be fascinating. I, I think that the answer actually is kind of simple. I actually think... A little bit more than franchise? I would say he would probably... I think he could probably get four years, somewhere between, I, I would call it $150 million, maybe $160 million. But oh, we'll see how much that's guaranteed because the reality is like none of the money matters except the guarantees. It's like, you know, if it's four years for $160 million, but the first two are guaranteed, you know, $80 million guaranteed, like, yeah, sure, let's go with that. And that sounds crazy, but like, that's the going rate, man. Like, I know. That's what it is. The Falcons it truly just, does sound crazy, though. It's like... The Falcons yeah. just traded Matt Ryan and took a $40 million dead cap hit for, to get rid of him and send him to Indianapolis for context. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, yeah. that's they were literally getting rid of Matt Ryan to have $40 million. So the, the, the franchise tag's $30 million for Daniel Jones. So, like, the floor is $30 million, and right. then if they tag him, then it's 120% of that. So, you know, the floor is two years for 78 if he does nothing. Right. So, like, why would he accept anything less than eighty million guaranteed? You know right. what I mean. And then at that point, yep. it's forty million yep. a year, and like, it's once it's just how it is. It's not about value. It's about if I do nothing, you have to pay me eighty million dollars next year. I can already hear people just freaking the fuck out though when he does sign like a huge contract. But I, I'm actually with you. I, I thought he played really well this year, relative, especially relative to like how he had the part, previous few years. He, he cut down on the turnovers, which is a massive deal. He showed that he can be like a big part of their run game, which. I don't know if I realized how good of a runner he was until this year. You know what I mean? Um, and well, this is something Jason that, Garrett was the coordinator. <laughs> that's true. Something I didn't realize, they showed him, this is against in the game against the Vikings last week. He like They did like a close-up of him. I didn't realize he had such a thick neck. He's like a kind of like a thick, muscular guy now. Like I, it, it felt like he really... <laughs> Like, glowed up this year. I didn't realize he wears contacts. Roger <laughs> oh, yeah, Sherman that tweeted weird. that, like, a, 
a team falling behind four touchdowns in the first half and their quarterback has to leave the game to adjust their contacts is something you hear about like a, an awful high school football team. Uh, like I have NFL contacts and team. I lost my contact one time in a basketball game, so that sucked. Like a pickup game or like an no, organized like in, in like a, game? No, in my high school team in state, too. We were in the state tournament and, and somebody poked me in the eye and I lost my contact. What year was this? They had, did they invent contacts in the 70s? <laughs> Hilarious. But yeah, that's that's a tough. That's also, like a wait, nightmare. yeah, I mentioned the chains. The chains. The, the chain broke? This game. <laughs> that's the dumb. only thing I would say the Giants did better than the Eagles is I feel like <laughs> MetLife Stadium has an extra set of chains. Or at least oh they have God. duct tape. They They're literally had tape on it. I don't, what's worse, not having the backup chains or not having duct tape and having to use masking tape instead? <laughs> masking tape. That's fucking crazy oh that they didn't even God. have good tape. They had to pause the game for like 15 minutes. There's like two commercial breaks where they fi- fixed the freaking chain. They were wrapping Patrick Mahomes' ankle with better tape than what they actually got oh to use with the goddamn chains. You know what's so funny is Classic. I saw that and I was like, wow, I wonder if that'll decide the game. And of course, with the NFL's luck, there was not a single measurement in that entire <laughs> game. There was at no point, like the Giants didn't get a first down. It didn't matter. Like, they could have gotten rid of the chains. The Eagles would have won. All right, that sucked. Um, Giants, ugh, yikes. It's all right, good season. Got further than my team did. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Last one, Chiefs-Jaguars. So we have a winner here. So the Kansas City Chiefs obviously beat the Jaguars. Uh, They prevailed 27-20. to I actually think... The Chiefs won this game, but I would say they're they're a loser because Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. Right. Pyrrhic victory, if you will. A what? Um, Pyrrhic victory. Is that how you say, is that with the Y and the H? Hold on. Let me double check. Now I'm second guessing myself. Pyrrhic, I believe is how you say it. Let me hold on. Yeah. P-Y-R. That's one of those words that I've always just nodded, but I've never known what it means. (laughs) Pyrrhic. Well, I mean, it goes, back, it goes back to, uh, like, ancient Roman or Spartan times or whatever. It's like, basically, this guy, Pyrrhic, uh, he won a battle, but he lost so many of his guys that he couldn't, like, win any more battles after that. That's, like, the very short, short version of it. It's the Thanos meme of, like, but what did it cost? And it's, like, everything. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, because, I mean, obviously, Mahomes has a high ankle sprain, which I think, for most other players in the NFL, is going to sideline you for a month. And... He went back in and played. He, he's planning on playing, it sounds like, in this next game. He's clearly going to be really hobbled. And, you know, that, that takes a lot of the wind out of themselves. I still think they can be a very dangerous team and, like, a very good team. But, I mean, this is clearly not the same Mahomes now. I think you text Someone texted me. Because, first of all, it was funny that Mahomes... Not funny, but you know what I mean. Mahomes was 
Honestly, passing looked all right. He just couldn't move in the pocket. But every time he had to run and pivot, if you sprained your ankle, I know it's high, it was different than sprain. But if you sprained your ankle, you know, when you had to pivot and turn for to hand the ball off, you mm-hmm. could tell that turning around and pivoting was the problem with his ankle. So he just was fucking hopping to Isaiah Pacheco. Like he was Seriously. one hopping to give him the ball. And then someone texted me, was like, would you rather have Patrick Mahomes with like a peg leg or Zach Wilson? I was like, I would take Patrick <laughs> Mahomes with two peg legs over Zach Wilson. Oh, 100%. <laughs> but like he was hop, like he was like just hopping and then he just hopped back to the huddle and I was like this is the most hopping I've ever seen by a player who stayed in a whole game I, like he could legitimately barely move I don't understand how has this ever happened where a guy has a high ankle sprain and he kept playing the entire game I can't well, remember off the top of my head Byron that left I mean a court obviously like position players do stuff Byron left which I think had a drive in college where he broke his leg and like ran a two minute drill and like his teammates were carrying him play to play and he just ran shotgun and didn't but like high ankle sprain. So the difference is a high ankle sprain. I'm not a doctor. I don't know why. But it's like if you're an explosive player, it's a way bigger deal. Running back, it's a, a receiver. It's like a career altering injury. If you have um, like explosiveness, offensive lineman and quarterback, it's actually not as big of a deal just because like it's easier for them yeah. to play through because they don't need yeah. quick burst movement. Um, having said that, it changes the entire complexion of Mahomes because it's like Mahomes, the whole reason he's nuts is it's just like, oh, he's this incredible you know, pocket passer who then just kind of like wanders with like a drunk confidence around the pocket <laughs> and never gets touched by anything. Yeah. And then just oh, oh, loop 30 yards down the field and you take that away and you're like, oh, you're just really good. But honestly, you know what it's like? It's like watching 38 year old Patrick Mahomes. Honestly, right. it's like watching totally. old Mahomes. And like of all the quarterbacks in the world that are, you know, in terms of their ability to deal with an injury like this, like he's top of the list because he has such incredible he, he can generate such torque with like his arm and like his arm yeah. angles and things like that he's not gonna have to like you know he doesn't have to have a solid base to make a big throw he threw two Still, jump though. passes in this fucking game i know it's crazy but yeah it, it definitely worries me especially against a team that you know the Bengals have beat them three times in a row and they're gonna need to play a good game here and this is just a little bit disconcerting for them obviously <laughs> a little bit that's and it's tough because i think this is weird to say as well as the Bengals played against the Bills today, it's almost underrated how well their defense played because Josh Allen actually escaped so many freaking sacks. Josh Allen made, I mean, Jermaine Pratt, uh, uh, BJ Reed, uh, uh, like there's so many Bengals that kind of had Josh Allen if he weren't like 6'5 and 240. Right, right. Like, 29 other quarterbacks they would have brought down, but like Josh Allen got away from like probably four sacks. There was a play Josh Allen literally made four Bengals defenders miss to turn like a five-yard sack into a five-yard run. (laughs) And like the Bengals knowing that Mahomes can't run around, like it, they say like moving the pocket, but it is matter if you're attacking a stationary position versus something that can move. Like uh, the Bengals defense might look even, I'm not better against the Chiefs next week, but Mahomes is going to be under duress because the Jaguars couldn't pass rush at all. Like they knew that Mahomes was stationary and like they didn't get a, they didn't get a single sack on him. He couldn't even move. Yeah. And let's talk about the Jags for a second. Look, I understand that Travis Kelsey is a Hall of Famer and he's really good. But like, how do you let this guy get 17 targets? He had 14 catches in this game. Uh, 98 yards, two touchdowns. This is just like it's the anti-Belichick thing where they just let the best player on, you know, the yes. The, Chiefs team just absolutely destroyed well, not, him, So Not only that, I think you're actually underselling it. He tied the record, I believe, for catches by a tight end of the playoffs. 
and he was one catch shy of the record for any player with catches in a playoff game, and he didn't have a catch in the final 10 minutes of the game. He basically was one catch shy of tying the record, and he didn't need a ball in the final 10 minutes. Like, he easily could have broken the record for most catches in a game, and it's like, what were you coming into this game thinking you needed to do? I know. It's crazy. I don't know. What was was the plan? plan? The funny thing is about this, too, is like they gave a linebacker a whole bunch of money. They drafted a guy in the first and second round, linebackers in the first and second round, and still just could do nothing uh, to make him like to slow down. That's the crazy thing is investing maybe more into linebacker than any position, or at least top top three. This is a lot. Like, why are you keep, why are they doing so much at linebacker? Like, this is absurd. And then, of course, they still couldn't stop. Don't. Can't stop the guy. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's like, yeah. I have a question. Who do you think the winner of the weekend was? Who's like the overall number one winner? I'm springing this on you, but I'm curious. Probably Burrow? Uh, content. I, I, Sirianni? Uh, Stephen A. Smith. Anyone who makes a living making fun of the Cowboys, <laughs> uh, that's really high Seriously. up there. Like, that's incredible. Seriously. I think that random Philadelphia lacrosse team probably made a lot of money. But no, I think that it's the Eagles and the Bills. Man. Oh, sorry, the Eagles and the Bengals, man. Like, the Eagles. Yeah. I think that the Eagles probably not really because the Eagles are going to San Francisco and like they need to win next week. The Bengals, I feel like Burrow and the the Bengals like established themselves as like we're better than the Bills. Like like the Chiefs and the Bills have been held up as these are the two best teams in the AFC. And the Bengals were there, but I mean I doubted them coming into this season. No, a they lot of people quite, doubted them. Yeah. A lot of people doubted like, them. Like I mean the Bills were literally the Super Bowl favorites. No matter what happens next week, the Bengals and the Chiefs are the cream of the AFC. Like, that's very clear. I think that Burrow elevated himself to the tier A1, unquestionable, like Mahomes. Like, it's been Mahomes and Josh Burrow's like there. He's leapfrogged Allen. The Bengals have leapfrogged the Bills, all that jazz. So I think it's yeah. got to be the Bengals. And of yeah. course, what is the Philly lacrosse team? I think those are the winners. It's the um, <laughs> Philadelphia Wings. They, um, that's a huge, I bet their box office has never been higher. Uh, turns out Solak's prediction when we were talking about the, the Giants-Eagles game on the the draft show turned out pretty real turned out pretty well for him he's like this is either going to be a massive blowout <laughs> yeah it was a massive blowout it was tough i was i mean they're better at literally everything i also think that oh, i i don't know what to say i mean it was <laughs> yeah i know you don't have to say i was like else. i get it trying to like earn brownie points. I was just doing dishes and cleaning up my apartment. <laughs> Second half, I was like, I don't like, I'm <laughs> do something, something like worthwhile life. here. I was like watching and just like, honestly, I was hoping the chains would break again. Like, I don't know. I don't think <laughs> I could get a no contest out of it. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Um, oh, well. Anyway. All right. Lastly, most important. You know what we haven't talked about on this podcast yet? What's that? The Burger King Whopper commercial. I think we've been trying not to get it in people's heads, like just to like sear it into their heads for the next. Eight it's hours. already seared, man. <laughs> I, it's it's there. I'm convinced Rihanna is going to come down from this halftime show oh and like God. land on the stage and like look directly in the camera, like whopper, 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 whopper. <laughs> Dude, I'm already getting super excited. By the way, for the for the Super Bowl halftime show, I went and rewatched the Dr. Dre Eminem like Snoop Dogg one from last year, Fifty Cent. Mary J. Blige. It was so fun. Man, it was so awesome. So I'm getting psyched about this Rihanna thing. Not going to lie, one of the best parts of going to the Super Bowl last year was them. They, they don't have audio in the press box. So the press box like very awkwardly misses it, but watches it live, but doesn't hear it. And they actually played the audio of it in the yeah. press box, which was awesome. 
they played it on like the speakers. It was weird. It was like a weird, like we we're in the stadium <laughs> listening to the show on the speakers in the press box. But that's fine. Just a, like a bunch of old white sports writers, like just bobbing <laughs> along to like Dr. Dre. And I'm like, this is just such an odd, <laughs> odd experience. Well, it was like a specific piece of nostalgia for people my age. Like they were <laughs> and like around my age, you know, now that it's they're like considered oldies now, which is the worst tell. part was um, whenever everyone listening probably understands this. But um, at some point you had the realization where you were like, wow, I'm so glad that they stopped picking old musicians to make <laughs> old people happy right. finally picked a good band and then you realize you're the old people now i know but rihanna's a, not that rihanna's not she's not that. yeah she's definitely not that so this will be good obviously this will be fun. 40 years younger you know what's crazy is you know rihanna's like not old at all rihanna's 34 <laughs> that's kind of nuts yeah like i'm curious like do you know who all the other is she gonna have other like guest stars and stuff have we heard about that yet uh i imagine she'll be like pull literally whoever she wants Right. She doesn't need one, though. I don't know. Um, if Travis Scott had, like, Spongebob or whatever, anything could happen. Uh, wait, you didn't really talk about the Whopper thing? I think the Whopper's the best commercial in years. It's, I, I want to be honest I, with you, Heifetz. I, I mute commercials. <laughs> I like, do you really? I do well to, like, avoid the Whopper thing. Do you, are you on you your phone? You just got it into my head, though, again. Can you email us at ringerfantasyfootball.gmail.com if one... You have any like extreme thoughts in the Whopper commercial? Is it the best commercial ever? The worst commercial ever? Do you know how to get songs out of your head? <laughs> um, I where does this rank in? in I don't know. It's any, any Can you thoughts sing on the again? Whopper commercial? Sing it again, Hyphen. I'm pretty bad singing. Whopper. This is where Whopper, this is where Whopper. we miss Craig. <laughs> we miss Craig is in his his impressions and his singing, <laughs> among other things. That's going to be a prop bet. I'm telling you right now, that's going to be a prop bet. It's going to be like a thousand to one. Rihanna does the Burger King song. Mark it down. <laughs> if I could only bet on prop bets, that would be probably. All right. I think that's all we got. We've got the NFL draft show on Thursday. DK and I, Solak, Craig, check that out. We'll be back next week. And I think Craig will be here if, you know, some, yes. some of us work still. I believe so. Thank you, DK. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Jesse, for production help. Thank you to the Giants for a great season. Mm, um, Daniel Jones. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Alicia Keys. Rihanna was like right there. I'm, I'm saving that for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, it's, a, good <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> now that you say it. <laughs> Who do you think wrote the Burger King song? <laughs> Why is that guy not taking a victory lap? They got a. It's probably gotta... Dolly Parton. She wrote it on the same day she wrote uh, Jolene and that other song that's really famous. I don't know. Just the day she like funded the Moderna vaccine, she just like banged out the Burger King song. Tolly Parton is an American hero. I bet that Burger King song's gonna take a victory lap between the Super Bowl. Hi, Fitz, I gotta ask you. Are the Giants gonna be one of those teams next year that is like the team that's not in the playoffs and like is replaced by another team in the playoffs kind of deal? Oh, most you know? definitely. <laughs> T-Bone, did you burn down the storage unit? <laughs> Seahawks uh, might be another one of those teams. We'll see. We'll see how this offseason goes. They got a lot of they got a lot of <laughs> ammo this week. This uh, offseason, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, ready for like six months of Warren Sharp being like they had the easiest schedule in the NFL, and then they, uh, you know, made the playoffs. <laughs> anyway, it's good season. Fine. Good season. All right, excited to pay Daniel Jones 160 million dollars. Yes. Right. Some st that talk about sticker shock. That's going to be it's going to be crazy. 
cool. I don't even think it's wrong. I just think it's going to be crazy. You know what? What's the alternative? <laughs> <laughs> what am I, I doing? Know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>